Welcome to the Hutton Podcast. I'm Colin Campbell, Chief Executive of the James Hutton Institute. Through this podcast, we will bring you a glimpse into our world-leading research at the Hutton across the food, energy and environmental security areas. This is our second podcast recorded on-site at this year's Royal Highland Show in Edinburgh. We're here again to take you on a quick tour of some of the work we have been sharing at the show through conversations with our scientists and researchers behind the innovation that we undertake. For this second episode, we're focusing on the climate and finding transformational ways to make farming more sustainable. We're talking gin, that's climate positive gin, crop diversification and green energy. And I'll hand you back to our media officer, Elaine, to find out more. Thank you, Colin. I'm here with Professor Alison Hester. Alison is going to take us on a quick journey to our climate positive farming initiative. Alison, tell us more. Where is this and what's involved? Well, very conveniently, I'm standing in front of a backdrop of our Glensoch research farm, which is where our climate positive farming initiative is based. Now, it's deliberately called that because we're not just about carbon. We're actually about trialing innovations and tools that can help farmers to reduce their emissions, but also to protect and enhance their natural resources, to become more resilient to the increasing climate extremes, but also to still make a living at the same time. So we have this initiative that's in three years of its five year setup phase, and we're building this busy hub of research innovations and um, transformations in some of the technologies that we use. Yeah, fantastic. Hydroglen is part of that. Can you tell us a little bit about Hydroglen? Yes. So Hydroglen is a um, demonstrator project to demonstrate and test how you can basically remove all fossil fuel requirements for all of the energy requirements of a farm, a small farming community, a small rural community. So Glensoch has a farm, which is a thousand hectares, and it has seven households. So we're building a green hydrogen production plant with funding from the Scottish Government's Just Transition team that will do exactly that. It will replace all the fossil fuel requirements for heating, lighting, and also transportation. Yeah, fantastic. There's also things like peatland restoration, the beneficial insects, um, other elements to the Climate Positive Farming Initiative as well, isn't there? Yes, there's a, a huge um, portfolio of projects and it's increasing every year. Um, we have lots of information on the website, which we can direct people to if they're interested. One of the things that I'm trying to do is always have a little cameo of each of the research project that we do so someone can find out what it is we're doing in brief and then they can actually contact the main scientist involved. Perfect, great, thank you. So what's the response been so far? Um, I think we've had quite a lot of interest from visitors coming to find out more. Has that increased? What are people interested in? Yeah. It's amazing, um, really interesting. I think the Green Hydrogen Project has probably got the, the highest level of interest, but everything that we've been doing has got this real buzz about it. So in fact, what's becoming the busiest part of my job now, apart from looking for funding to get new experiments going, is speaking to people who want to come and visit, who want me to go and talk to them, meetings that they want me to go and join in, debates and so on. It's lovely, actually. It's really, really great. The only thing that's missing is how to clone myself. Indeed. Well, funny you should say that. We're now going to talk to Antonia Boyce, who's leading our Centre for Smart Natural Capital. So I'm now speaking with Antonia Boyce, who leads the Climate Innovation Hub, part of which is the Centre for Smart Natural Capital. Antonia, what's the hub and what are its goals? The Climate Innovation Hub is an exciting new part of the Climate Positive Farming Initiative at our Upland Glensoch Farm. The goals of the Innovation Hub are to bring together a community of people with interesting ideas to help address some of the challenges we have in land management in the future. So we're working with external collaborators, private, public sector, to combine that with the expertise of the Hutton to do interesting new innovations. 
Yeah, fantastic. I think we already have our first tenant as well, Undo, which is exciting. Yes, we do. Our first tenant, Undo, are spreading basalt rock on the ground to sequester carbon. Um, and they're using some of our new uh, lab space that we have on site. Uh, well, yeah, fantastic. There's also the Centre for Smart Natural Capital. So what's that and yeah, what's involved in that? So the Innovation Hub has a number of different themes to it. And one of them is the Centre for Smart Natural Capital. Glen Sock is, has about 80 years of research data. There's a lot of history there. And obviously there's a lot of expertise in Hutton in areas to do with land management. And what we're doing at the Centre for Smart Natural Capital is creating a test bed so people can come in and work with promising new sensor technology so we can help make sure that the evidence that we use for land making decisions is properly evidence based. We're also looking to build a digital twin of the site to help us look at future land management use to inform the decision making on how we actually use our land best for food production, for biodiversity and in light of climate crisis. Yeah, that's exciting. So our research farm at Glensoft might be up in Aberdeenshire Glen, quite quiet, but actually it's probably going to be one of the most high-tech farms going in terms of sensor technology. And yeah. I think there's a LoRaWAN network as well. Going yeah, on. that's right. I mean, a lot of the sensor developments have gone into precision agriculture, which normally we associate with crop production and also livestock monitoring. And this is kind of the other part of that strand, if you like, which is actually looking more at the land and the environment. At the moment we have a LoRaWAN, a small LoRaWAN network at the site uh, so that we can collect data remotely from sensors and the Hutton's committed to actually extending that so we'll have about 90% coverage. So if people want to come and try sensors for different kind of applications then they can come along and do that. And LoRaWAN will only be one part of the puzzle because we're very keen to look at different kinds of technologies so we're, we're quite agnostic in that sense. So we'll explore lots of different platforms. Yeah, fantastic. And Census, um, they're part of this. They're partnering with us on this, I believe. Yeah, so we're really pleased to have them as our partners. Um, their, their aim is all around Internet of Things, sensors, uh, digital analysis, modelling. Um, so they bring uh, another part of the jigsaw. Uh, so it's a very strong partnership. And increasingly, we're going to need these sorts of collaborations where everyone brings their strengths to make projects that actually benefit the country as a whole. Fantastic. So it's going to be a really exciting place to come. Thank you it very much. It will be. <laughs> so next I'm speaking with Dr. Pete Ionetta. Pete works on food and sustainable food systems. It's an area rich for potential in innovation. So Pete, tell me more. Where should I start? Uh, there's so many aspects to sustainable food and animal feed systems. Uh, my main work is on legumes, so that's a group of plants that require no synthetic fertilizer. They can make the, uh, the they can meet their own nitrogen requirements from the air using a natural process called biological nitrogen fixation. And not only that, in addition to that, they provide a high protein food supply for people and farm animals. You're also doing a lot of work on crop diversification. Um, how does this support climate change efforts? Well, of course, if we can use legumes, we can offset our synthetic fertilizer use, because as well as providing a protein-rich foodstock, but also a carbohydrate-rich foodstock, um, they're highly nutrition, nutritious in many ways. They, um, they leave residues in the soil, nitrogen-rich residues that allow us to offset our synthetic fertilizer use. And around about half of that fertiliser is normally lost uh, when it's applied. It never makes it into the crop it's applied to. So that's uh, a good thing. But also in the value chain, it can make a difference as well. So we've developed these products, for example, 
Uh, they were developed by Arbiki Distillery, and this is a gin and a vodka made from peas. So in terms of the potential carbon footprint of our distilling industry, which is a major industry in Scotland, uh, diversifying the raw materials that go into distilling, uh, such as by using peas, there you know, could be a major step forward. Yeah, well, again, there's so much potential. And I'm happy that drinking gin can contribute to emissions reductions. Um, I'd love to hear what's caught your eye while you've been out and about at the show um, in terms of what others are doing to reduce emissions or produce more sustainable food. Well, for me, the one I would single out, am I allowed to name specific companies? Uh, but certainly the manufacturers of on-farm processing equipment to me are particularly exciting at the moment. We've seen farmers come under pressure, particularly from war in the Ukraine. Uh, and the uh, lack of availability of animal feed and animal feed prices going up. We've also seen crop failures around the world due to climate change and the, the effect of, of weather. So farmers increasingly are looking towards becoming self-sufficient or having a higher level of self-sufficiency in, in their animal feed and that means they're looking towards affordable, smaller scale, on-farm processing equipment. But as well as having feed for animals, it gives the farmers the opportunity to process some of their post-crops for human food, uh, so if they can they can tidy up the peas and beans that they harvest, the human food grain, that creates a really quite unique opportunity to develop local food cultures and local food systems for humans as well. Yeah, fantastic. That's some really pertinent thoughts and with a global outlook. So that's really interesting to hear. Thank you very much, Pete. This is Professor Ian Tote, who heads up our new Potato Innovation Centre. With a changing climate, how can we ensure continued potato production? So, so for the last few years, last several years, it's really obvious that the climate's getting warmer and potato production, for example, in the south of England, has really struggled quite a lot because of the temperature. Although we're lucky because we have good irrigation systems, so it's not been a major problem for us. But in some countries, it's much more of a problem and climate change is making a real difference and in countries for example like Kenya they have to grow their potatoes on hillsides where it's cool enough to grow it's always been that way but as the climate increases the potatoes are going to have to go higher and higher up uh, but there's a good example of where we've done something about that because at the James Hutton Institute we've actually developed from uh, a resource that we have called the Commonwealth Potato Collection a variety called Quick Grow which is more virus resistant, it can grow uh, more quickly so that farmers can get more generations into a year, but also very importantly it is able to grow at warmer temperatures. So what they've been able to do is grow it further down the hillsides in the lowlands, which means that they can expand their potato production. It's reducing some of the virus pressures as well and they can, uh, it's really helping with their food security. So, and that's, climate change is only going to increase in the future, so we need more of these innovations to come along. So is this something we're going to need in the UK as well as the climate changes? Are we going to actually have to need some of those potato varieties for our growth here? Definitely, definitely. In the future, as we develop, new varieties are being developed all the time for resistant to pests and pathogens, for example and we're going to need to take climate into account more and more. So these looking for drought tolerance, for temperature tolerance, not so much in the UK but in other countries for salinity tolerance, then that's something that we're going to need to do. So 
it's going to be on the agenda for a long time. Yeah, fantastic. Maybe a silly question, but will these potatoes taste different to how we were used to them? When you make a new variety, there are chances that they all taste a little bit different. You know, uh, some might be to some people's taste, some might be to other people's taste. So almost certainly there'd be a difference in taste because it's a new variety. But there's no reason why a temperature tolerant potato would be any better or worse in taste than any other variety that you're making. Yeah, it actually could be quite interesting. We'll get new flavours of potato that we can try out. Almost certainly. And, and with this new Commonwealth, with the Commonwealth potato collection that we use now, I don't doubt there are lots of new flavours we haven't even started to explore. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So now that the, the new innovation centre has launched, what's on your agenda? What's coming up in weeks and months? What will you be tackling? Yeah, so, so my big job in the next few months is to start talking a lot more to industry, explain to different people in industry, not just the UK, but further afield, about what we're trying to do and about what this innovation centre is going to do. It's very important that industry involved and we work together to create different projects that are really going to make a difference to industry. But we also have to bring in all the different researchers, again in the UK and outside the UK, to make sure that we're coordinated in the efforts that we do and we use the experts from wherever they are to help in the solutions that we need to find. And for example, We've been speaking to people in New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, where they not always do they have the researchers to undertake the, the work. And even if they did, we don't want to be doing the same research as them because we could, be, uh, we could try much harder to combine our resources and find solutions together. So it's really learning how to communicate better and making sure that this centre brings everybody with us. And so that's my job for the next few months. Yeah, fantastic. Good luck. A lot of collaborations to be had there, but exciting things to, to exciting do as Exciting well. times ahead. Thank you, Aline. It's been great hearing from our colleagues about our work and what they've seen here at the Royal Highland Show. What I've seen this year is a, a, a very optimistic view of our future from our farming colleagues. This is partly based on the opportunities that innovation and science can help to solve the climate and the nature crisis that we face. I hope you've enjoyed this glimpse into our world. We look forward to bringing you more insight into our world across the food, energy and environmental security in future episodes of the Hutton Broadcast. Please do subscribe and let us know what you would like to hear about. And thank you again for listening.